Good evening. How are y'all? Good. I am. Uh, I will tell you definitely. You will probably want to grab the notes for tonight. Tonight is a lot of scripture, um, and I would go. You can go to boomerangchurch.org/notes, and if you go there, you'll be able to pull up the two parts of life, and. Um, Definitely want to probably have those notes after you hear the message tonight. So you can pull that up right now on your phone or your tablet, and you'll have all those available. Um, I just welcome you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're continuing tonight in the two parts of life. And uh, this series we started a couple of weeks ago, and tonight is huge. And I'll just tell you that if you haven't been... Uh, if you didn't hear part one, you're going to want to go back and watch that because it sets up some items in your life that will totally change. One of the things I talked about is just how the power of God has turned on in our life and in our ministry since we understood this. And um, let me just ask you this question. You can go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 and be getting there, but... As we're looking at this, um, let me ask you this question. When I talk about the gift of righteousness, or when I talk about righteous, righteousness and righteous living, right, what does that bring up in your head, particularly maybe before you came to Boomerang, before you started uh, really growing in, you know, diving into the Word? When I talked about righteous living, what, what, where did your mind go? What direction did righteous living go to? Being holy, all right. In a, okay, in almost like a holiness, arrogance type way. Um, that's that's one way. Um, another another way, which is was good. I was looking for that, and then a lot of times I think those these two areas that is a lot of times where people will be. And the other thing is that they will say, "Well, I've got to straighten up." You know, you start hearing about righteousness and holiness, and you go, I got to get my stuff straight. You know, I got I to gotta get together. Now, here's the interesting thing about this is in the Word, that doctrine and that theology towards righteousness, um, in the Word, every time it says righteousness, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say every time, but I'm going to say the majority of time when I've seen it talking about righteousness, it's actually talking about the exact opposite of those two things. And here's the, here's the thing. A lot of times that kind of righteousness and righteous living means that if we'll be right and we'll do right, the blessing of God will come on us. Is that, have, you know, you've probably heard that preached, correct? Well, here's the thing about that doctrine and theology. And listen to this statement. Based on that doctrine and theology, that if you do right, all the blessings will come on you in that sort of way, it, based on that doctrine and theology, Jesus would have never come to the earth. So let that hit. Because in Romans 5, it says, We were sinners, helpless, and we even enemies. And had the blessings only come through what we did right, Jesus would have never left heaven. We'd have never had a Savior. So you can see that although every time we've probably heard about righteous living towards that direction of we've got to clean ourselves up, all of a sudden what happens is you start to recognize, wait a minute, if this is so, 
then Jesus doesn't come. And, and at the very least, it causes us to find a rub in our thinking and a rub in our doctrine and theology. And we've got to find out, what, what is this then? What exactly is this? And the Word lays it out very clearly. But there's something in the corrupted flesh of man that wants to grab a hold of uh, punishment. You know, it, we, we all know that we've sinned. We all know that we've messed up, right? Anybody not aware of that? Because if so, I want to talk to you. But <laughs> we all know that we've messed up and done some wrong things. And as soon as the curse came on and corruption came in, the thing that really starts to work in us is we feel like we need to pay for what we did wrong. We don't want to. I'm not saying we want to, but we feel like we need to. And this is what the devil uses through sin consciousness. And when you start moving into being conscious of sin in your life, what happens to your faith and what happens to grace in your life? It, it seems to go away. And so the devil uses that nature of the corrupted human flesh to come against us. And it's proven simply by the fact that as soon as we start talking about being righteous, we start thinking, the things I need to straighten up in my life. I better get my stuff straight. Oh, boy, I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to spend more time with God. I need to win more people to Jesus, get them filled with the Spirit, know how to pray. I need to do all this stuff. And it's... That may be true, but you're thinking at it from the wrong way. And because of that, it holds us back from life. And if you'll go back, you definitely need to see part one of this series, and you'll go back to the two parts of life. What you'll see is you've got two parts of life. Number one part of life is when God gives his love freely and unconditionally to you. And in God's mind... That's the biggest part that he's concerned with. He is concerned with part two, whether or not you freely give your love back to him because you don't really fulfill, you're not really fulfilled in life without actually operating and giving love back to God. But he's not going to hold back his love to you. He's not going to hold back part one because you didn't do part two. Now, that was not necessarily the way it worked in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, that's exactly the way that it works. And it's proven there in Romans 5 uh, where it talks about us being sinners and helpless and, and even enemies of God. And then, you know, one of the things that I talked about last week is, is that Job, I had a problem with this, was Job's friends, they come to him, you know, but then they basically, in my mind and in my eyes, they're trying to help. You know, they're trying to help Job out and trying to, trying to get, you know, get him to not mess up anymore. But we find out at the end, they messed up. They were wrong. And so I went for years actually thinking about that. Like, why were they wrong? I don't understand. And it's because basically what happens is somebody has a problem, you know, and let's say something bad's going on with John and he can't figure it out and he comes to me and says, what's going on? I can't figure it out. And so what do I want to do? I want to say, well, here's what you did wrong and here's what you need to fix and here's what you need to do right. And that'll help you get back right on track. But the problem with that is exactly what Job's friends were doing. They were telling him everything that he needed to do and all the reasons why. 
what they were doing was ignoring the two parts of life. The part of God was sitting there saying, you know, I don't really care how you got into this mess. I do want to help you not get into it again. But the first thing I want to do is help you get your stuff fixed. I want to pour out my love. Let's say you need healing. I want to, I don't care that you have been eating wrong and doing all that stuff and, and not paying attention to me when I told you to go exercise. And I don't care that, that, you know, it was an accident or somebody pushed you or I don't care. I just want you well. When we start to understand that about the heart of God, everything changes. I just want you well. That's the heart of God. He said over and over and over again, he says, I just want to bring salvation to you. It doesn't matter how you got there. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I just want to bring salvation. Now, there's a part of religion that backs off of that and says, well, my goodness, you tell people that, and they'll just go do whatever they want to do. They're doing whatever they want to do without that. They, they don't need any help. Not, you know, they're already doing that. But here's the part of Scripture that's being missed. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance or leads men to change. We love part two. Can we love without having first received the love of God? No. So what we've done is we've given a list of stuff to do. In other words, we've given them the law, do this, don't do this do this, don't do this, and we try to get that list to get them out of their situation, where what we need to do is be people that are ministers of the grace of God that says, look, he loves you, and he's going to love you no matter how you got there or no matter what caused you to get there. He just wants you fixed. When they actually get that and they receive that, now they have received God. They have received what? His love. The word says we love, she just read it, we love because he first loved us. So what essentially what we've been trying to do, and a lot I've been trying to do it in church too, is I've been trying to get man to fulfill part two by keeping the law, telling them everything to do, and if they do that right, then God will give them part one. We've had it backwards. We've put the cart before the horse. This is what this series is talking about. When we, we're going to dive into this deep. You know, we're going to get into this and see the ins and outs of it. But ultimately, when Job's friends gave him the law and told him what to do and what not to do, they were leading him to the law which produces death. Because if you can't, uh, if you can't be obedient to every portion of the law, you're guilty of all. And if you're guilty of all, you're in death. So as much as what they were saying was maybe the right things to do, what they did was not lead, lead them to the love of God. They led them to the death that was captured in the law. So did they, were they really doing a good service to Job? No. And you know what? I've done it as a pastor as well. Well, since I started now, I'm, that's the basis of it. You need to go watch the first part if you haven't seen it. But since I've started to get a hold of this, I've been applying it in counseling and every other thing. Guess what happened? I start leading people to the love of God and part one, hey, God loves you. I don't care how you got there. He just wants to help you. He just wants to fix you. Guess what comes out of that? If they'll say, okay, they get fixed. 
And then, you know what happens after that? They say, you know what? I want to do this right next time and not mess it up. So what we're seeing is that when they actually receive the love of God, it's empowering a change for them to give love back to God. This is how it works. This is how life is fulfilled in us. Now, what we're really talking about here and what really leads to this revelation is the gift of righteousness, which is why I asked you that question before. When you hear the walk of righteousness or living a life of righteousness, what do you think? i got to start getting my stuff straight. What is that? That's the law. And if you're not able to uphold every ounce of that, you're operating in death. And it's so clear all over the scriptures, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's everywhere in there. But it's so preached in the opposite direction. Because literally what we do is we look at people when they come in the door and we look them up and down and try to figure out if they got stuff right or wrong. And we classify them based off of where they have stuff right or wrong instead of just saying, how can I love on that person? Jesus gave us the great example of the adulterous lady, and she walks up, and, you know, all of a sudden, everybody wants to stone her because she was caught, and he says, I forgive you. Where are your accusers? They are no more. He says, now, because of that, go and sin no more. In other words, I gave them love, part one, and part two, she gave love back to God by living a righteous life. Not living righteous by her deeds, but living righteous by the righteousness of Christ, by the love that was poured out on, uh, through God. See, if we just give everybody a list, they're not able to live it. They're never, how many of y'all been trying to uphold a list all your life? You know, if you've been in church and known, how many people have been trying to live by that list? And how many of you have done well? Including me. No, it doesn't work like that. You know why? Because it has to be empowered by his love. You have to receive part one first, that he loves you no matter what. Well, one of the key places for this is 2 Corinthians 5 and starting in verse 17. So let's look at this. This is righteousness, talking about the gift of righteousness. What we're going to really dive into in this series is the gift of righteousness. And what you're going to find out is this gift of righteousness is huge. How many, not talking about living a life of righteousness, but how many people have ever heard about and heard preached and taught in detail on the gift of righteousness? The gift of it. Not too many. George is shaking his head. I've heard it, I've heard it preached, but I haven't probably heard it preached in the detail we're going to preach it here. Yeah. I've heard it, heard it preached. That's why I've, I've taught on it. But see, and yet you're going to find out in here that the gift of righteousness, one of the most major things in the word in the New Testament, period. No, no question about it. Let's just start right here. Righteousness is a created place, a position, and a character that's been given. It says in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry 
of reconciliation. Now, we've talked about this before several times here, but when it says that he reconciled us to himself, what you can see is, all right, here is the righteousness of God, okay, and here is we. Amen? You liked that, didn't you, English teacher? It was awesome. Here we are, okay? And here's God. I just did that just for you. It was so awesome. I'm so glad you were here to hear that. <laughs> so when God reconciles us, it means that he made us right. In other words, he brought us to his level. Now, see, just saying that right there, religion goes, oh, I don't know about that. And yet, I'm reading it to you straight out of the Word. I'm not like, I'm not meddling here, you know. Reconciled, if you think about reconciling a checkbook, right? Reconciling a checkbook. Is the checkbook reconciled if there's one penny difference? Nope. That means every inkling of your life has been declared by God and created a new character and a new position that is completely made right and brought up to the level of God himself as far as righteousness is concerned. Now, I understand the first time I ever read that and the first time I understood that, I, you know, I was trying not to show it, but I was shaking in my boots because I thought, my Lord, heresy, I'm about to get struck by a lightning bolt. And I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're saying that. I am not equal with God. I'm not on the same plane. And we're not talking about humility. There's a difference between humility. But true humility sees what God says about you and then believes that. That's right. So this, that's a good way to unlock that. That really helped me. But God said, let's read it again now with that in mind. Now these things, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who, God who reconciled us and brought us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So in other words, what my job is as a believer is to receive righteousness this, ultimately, you're going to see that this is talking about righteousness. To receive the gift of righteousness and my ministry as a believer and as an ambassador is to tell other people that they are righteous too. Yeah. Okay? So he's given us, he's made us right, and then he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, if that didn't get under your skin, uh, you know, under religious skin, let's look at verse 19 that says, Namely... That God, the Father, this is a big, have you ever heard somebody make this statement that I'm okay with Jesus, but I didn't, I don't know about the God of the Old Testament, like he looked kind of mean, you know, ever seen or heard somebody talk along those lines? You got to understand in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. And in our English words today, we would say it more like this, that he was the, the complete picture of the Father and who he was. Okay? So now here it says that God, the Father, was actually in Jesus, in Christ, reconciling all the good people. No. Reconciling believers. No. Reconciling 
the world to himself. Not the people that had it all together. Not, not the people that had everything going for him and, and had not sinned. He had reconciled the world to who? To, to what level? To himself. And, and he goes on and defines it even more by saying this, not counting their trespasses against them. In other words, we're not talking about people that didn't have trespasses. We're talking about people that did have trespasses. And what he did was he brought them up to the same level of righteousness of God. All right, so I know if you're hearing this for the first time, you're probably thinking, how in the world did he, do, did he really do that? And how did he do that? Not counting trespasses. And he's committed to us, again, here's the ministry that we have the word of reconciliation or the ministry of the gift of righteousness. Can you see right here that the gift of righteousness, when he keeps saying that this is our ministry, that if a Christian doesn't understand the gift of righteousness and the ministry of reconciliation, he's not even doing what he's called to do, much less receiving the benefits from it. Should this not be something that every person in the church should, should know about? <laughs> if, if this is something that God's told them, this is what your ministry is. So this is a big topic. And it's huge. And there's a reason why it's not preached. Because you start getting into this, and it releases the power of God. It releases the love of God. It starts making Jesus prayer come to pass that said your will be done on earth as it is in heaven this is the trigger all right so he's committed to us the word of reconciliation therefore verse 20 we are ambassadors for christ as though god was making an appeal through us saying we beg you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god be made right with God. See, we've used that in the terms that if you will believe on Christ and you'll come to him, then you'll be reconciled with God. But we've missed the bigger picture of what happens when we do accept Christ. And that's laid out in the very next verse. The very next verse says this, verse 21. We made him, he made him, God made him who knew no sin. So God made Jesus who did not know sin to be sin on our behalf. Why? So that we might become our own self-righteousness. No, that's not what it says. That we might become the righteousness of who? God in Christ, in him. So what that says is this. This is the how. Jesus stood up, had no sin, all of the world's sin, every trespass ever that was, that had happened, that was happening, and that was going to happen, past, present, and future, all of the world's sin was on him. The one who knew no sin, who had not sinned. And because all of the world's sin was on him, it was taken off of you. That means anything ever that you ever had or were going to have, it was completely removed. And through that process, God brought you into the righteousness of God in Christ. 
This is the ministry that we have. Now, I understand that if you've never heard that teaching before and that, you'd, that it takes some time to swallow that and chew on that and everything else, and, but I'm just giving it to you there so that you can take it and chew on it. And you're going to have people that will argue that that's not what it said, but I, I didn't really add much to it. I just told you and explained what some of those words were. It pretty much says it all on its own. It's kind of hard to get away from it, actually, when you read that. We want to quote the new creation, but we don't want to quote the righteousness of God in Christ. Why? Because the devil's working inside of our corrupted flesh under a fear tactic to say that we can't say that. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but true humility literally goes into the word and says, well, Lord, whatever you say, that's what I am, and that's what I believe. When you line yourself up in humility like that, there is a power and a grace that's released. And, you know, true humility, it says, when we move into humility, not only is grace given, but greater grace is given. But true humility is not a humility that the world has taught you. True humility is seeing what God has said, believing that, and acting on it. That's humility. You think, you think when I get up in front of God or you get up in front of God and you say, but Lord, I didn't want to believe that because I was humble and my, my, I was filthy rags. You think that he's going to, he said, and you say, hey, I was taught that that was humility. And he's going to say, I told you that was not the case. That scripture was taken away from what I had actually made you a new creation into. Why did you not humble yourself to believe me? Do you think an argument will work there? No. No, we've got to humble ourselves to the things of God. So the first thing there is righteousness is a created place, a new creation, and a new creature. It's a created place, a created being. You were made a totally new creation. But in righteousness, you were not just given a character. You were given a place. And Tracy Harris, uh, Pastor Tracy Harris, he's, he's the one who really, uh, I, I had been preaching pieces of this, but he said a few things to me, and it just went boom, and I saw it. That's part of his anointing and job in the Word. And a lot of this came, came from him, a lot of these notes. But one of the things he said was, righteousness is, uh, is not something that we do, but something we are. Yeah. And let that sink in. See, when God recreated you, he wasn't saying you're righteous based off of what you do. That's the law. He said you're righteous because I created you to be. It's not something that you do. It's something that you are. And then you do righteous things because of what he did. He did this and poured out love. And now we do righteous things because we love him. But now we're empowered to do it because we've received God's love in the first place. See, by just telling you a list to go do, you're not accepting the love of God necessarily, and you're not empowered to go do it. By, by putting the, the horse in front of the cart, by actually getting into the Word and humbling ourselves, one of the things that happens is we start to see how this system was set up by God in the first place. And now it actually works. All right, so... He also said this. He said, uh, we are in a kingdom. You don't become a king by being a very good prince. You're born into the royal line. You are born again into the royal line of Christ. 
And you're not righteous because you did so very well. You're righteous because he made you righteous. He made you. Let me, let me read that again. He, verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become or we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, here's one of the things in the gift of righteousness. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. I want to show you this righteousness. Why would the devil want to keep you away from the gift of righteousness? Why would he want you to always put the cart before the horse? Why would he want you to go about trying to fulfill that list? Because, one, you just can't fulfill it on your own. You've got to have love that empowers you to do that. But look here, in uh, verse Romans 1 and verse 16, it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. The, the point here is that power is linked to righteousness. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. So, what's the subject? Huh? I, and what is I talking about? The gospel. I love having you here. I can, I can ask these questions. And they're talking about the gospel. For the gospel is what? The power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So what he just did was he created the gospel and he equated, I said created, he equated the gospel to power. Yeah. And that's important. Because if the God, well, Tracy wrote this. He said, a gospel that reveals no righteousness carries no power to deliver. All right, you'll get that more in a minute. But without the gospel moving in power, do you really have a, a gospel? Not according to the scripture. They go hand in hand. In other words, if we're just talking about all good, goody, goody, goody feelings, but we're never seeing the power of God, are we actually living the gospel? It's definitely questionable, isn't it? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, it's basically the power to anybody who will believe. For in it, what's the it talking about? It's talking about the gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God is revealed. How is it revealed? From faith to faith. For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So now what you see is that the power that's in the gospel, those two being equated, the power that's in the gospel is revealed by righteousness. The righteousness is revealed in those things. In other words, what you see is that the gift of righteousness is the thing that goes in there and reveals. It's revealed by the working of the power and the working of the gospel. In other words, you, are, you have directly connected the gift of righteousness and the power of God. 
Now, remember when I first started talking about this, I said, as soon as I started getting a hold of this two parts of life and God's part and then man's part, immediately I saw a raise in the power of God. You know why? Because what we were moving in was the righteousness, the gift of righteousness. As soon as we started walking in the gift of righteousness, the power of God was revealed. This is exactly this verse in action. So see, if you don't, here's, here's what he said, a gospel that reveals no righteousness carries no power to deliver. So a lot of times if you're talking about a religion that basically goes around constantly giving people a list of what to do and what not to do and then you've got them living by the law, it's actually the opposite of the gift of righteousness. Do you see much power in it? Do you see much healing? Do you see much deliverance? Do you see much spiritual wins? Not too often. But when you start to operate in the gift of righteousness, you know what it is, you know how to apply it, and you know how to give the love of God, all of a sudden the gospel is starting to reveal the righteousness of, of God, and in that the power is released. So righteousness literally is a key to the power of God. It's a key to a ton of things, but it's a key to the power of God moving. Can you see that? Amen. Let's look at Romans 5, go over a couple of chapters to Romans 5 and verse 17. We reign in life through righteousness. Verse 17 says, For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So now what we're seeing is that you reign and rule in this life through the gift of righteousness, through your understanding and your application of the gift of righteousness. How many people have felt like I have not been reigning in my life? My life has been reigning me before. Anybody ever felt that? I guarantee you at some point it is tied to our lack of understanding and lack of application of the gift of righteousness. The lack of understanding that we were already made right. When we accepted Christ, we received the gift of righteousness and we were made righteous. Now, why is that important? Here, here's a big part of it. John, will you come up here? And uh, George, will you come up here? So let's say that John is acting like God and George is acting like man or, or you, and I'm playing the role of Jesus. Now, see, if I'm not in this mix and it's just God and man and all his stuff man that man brings to the table, what does God see? A mess unrighteousness he's holy he's not is he at the level of God is he anywhere close to the level of God no no not at all but the problem is the problem is when he goes yeah when he goes to ask for something or pray over something this all right now watch when he goes to pray over something in his unrighteousness how far do you think that prayer gets He's got no right in unrighteousness to ask God for anything, and he knows it. He's very aware of it. 
He has sin consciousness. So what happens? First of all, would God necessarily answer all of that to an unrighteous person? Well, it's, it's very legally, it's kind of hard to do such things. But he wants to help them, which is why he sent Jesus. But here's the other thing. In this unrighteous position, what do you, where do you think his faith is at? His faith, do you think he's going to believe that God's actually going to meet him? No. He's going to be like, why should he answer my prayer? I'm a jerk, you know. You're not a jerk, George. But anyway, all right. So then Jesus, God sends Jesus because he wants to fix this problem. And he says, sends Jesus. Jesus is righteous. Now, at that point, all of man's stuff, because just to say that Jesus covered up man's stuff, but he still got his stuff. What are you doing back there? You carnal man, watch out now. All right, so... Just because he's got his stuff, just to say that Jesus comes in front of God and now man still has his stuff, but he can't see him because of Jesus, this is uh, true in some, some questions but and true in some lines of thought, but not in all of them because the scripture that we just read said that all of man's bad stuff was put on Christ. And it was at that point that the Father forsook Jesus and turned his back on Jesus so that he could essentially turn his face towards man. Now at this point, does man have any more stuff on him? Any more bad unrighteousness? Who's it on? Jesus. He's not carrying it anymore. God's, it sounds like this. God's not holding his trespasses against him. So, in other words, even the stuff that he's going to do later on, it was all on Jesus. Jesus paid the price for that sin. The wages of sin is death. He received death as a payment. He received hell as a payment. But he went down into death and hell as a perfect man who took on the punishment for others. But he went to uh, his grave and he, he drew his last breath of life with faith. And faith brought him back to life. He knew that something was going to happen. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, which is talking about another scripture where he put his faith in. And in three days he rose back up to life. And at this point he became the firstborn of many brethren. Not just the brethren. In other words, it's not just Jesus that can stand in front of the Father. It's his many brethren that can stand in front of the Father too. And so now at this point, if he wants to pray, it's just like Jesus is praying. The only reason it wouldn't be like Jesus is praying is if the devil gets in here and and teaches them that he's not righteous. And then all of a sudden his faith level drops all the way down here. He has no idea who he is, what he actually is. And all of a sudden he's not moving into the power of God at all. And it's not because he doesn't have it. It's because it says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And this is exactly what's happened. Can you see that? All right, thank you guys. So power is linked to righteousness, but then in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says here, For if by the transgression of the one, 
talking about Adam. Adam sinned and the curse came on. Death reigned through one. Much more, those who received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Will reign in life through one. See, when you start getting a hold that you are righteous because of what Jesus did and because of what God made you, all of a sudden you, you start taking up power. You start taking up the ability to beat the devil's brains out, to rule over him and reign in this life. And let me ask you this. What are your, what are your friends and family looking for? Are they looking for somebody who's like, oh, the devil's attacking again. <laughs> don't hurt me too bad is that what they're looking for are they looking for somebody who's like well fine i don't care come on devil you know uh, who has a confidence and a hope because they know who they are yeah. uh, you're going down my god always leads me to triumph through christ he always does in every place i know this because i know who i am yeah. i know that i'm the righteousness of god in christ so what happens here is, and I want you to understand that there's a big, big talk in the church right now about grace. But see, grace is actually through righteousness. So let's actually, that's my next point. So in this kingdom, keep this in mind, because we reign in life uh, in this kingdom. Tracy said this, Pastor Tracy said, in this kingdom, we reign by righteousness, not by performance but by position. Not by performance, but by position. In other words, say, you know, George was here again, and he was that carnal man before Jesus took his sins. Then Jesus took his sins, paid for him. How many of them did he take? All of them. So even the stuff that he does that's messed up after he receives Christ, that thing was already covered. And matter of fact, even the world, going back to 2 Corinthians, even the world, God's not holding their trespasses against them. What does that mean? That means that no matter if you have uh, a person that's standing there that completely doesn't know Jesus, or somebody that just, I mean, is in total love with Jesus, the grace of God is available to both of them simply by just telling them, God loves you, and he wants to fix that. And then you, knowing who you are in Christ, are able to walk up and say, God loves you, problem be fixed in Jesus' name. All of a sudden, you start walking into that. Now, am I saying that as soon as you get a hold of the gift of righteousness, it just turns on in your life and all your problems are solved? Well, I sort of am, yeah. But I'm also saying that we are supposed to go in here and we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved and understand more and more of this and how all of this works. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But here the next thing is, you know, grace that we have been so big on, and grace is huge. We need the grace of God in our lives. Praise God for the grace. But grace comes through righteousness. So now we've got righteousness not only linked to us being in the right position, a new place, a new character in the right position. We've got it linked to power. It is what opens up power. It is, it's what opens up us reigning in life. And now it even is what opens up grace. Let's look at verse 21 right down from where you're at. It says, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign 
through righteousness. To eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now this eternal life is talking about intimacy with God. And it's talking about basically solving all the problems that you have. You got a problem? Jesus knows how to solve it. Thank you. I, everybody's head went there, I think, but and I just didn't say it. Thank you. <laughs> you got a problem. Jesus knows how to solve it. He's already got it fixed. That's through his grace, and that's through righteousness. I, I really want to, though. He said, please don't say that again. Look at this in uh, Hebrews verse, chapter 1 and verse 8. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8. And, and just listen to this. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom in other words the gift of righteousness plays right into the power of the kingdom of God you know in in the Old Testament Moses moved by what's called the rod of God. He had the staff that God had given him, and that thing represented power. I mean, it represented power. And kingdoms, they would, they would be represented by a scepter, and that would represent the power of that kingdom. Whoever held that held the power of the kingdom. When you hold the gift of righteousness in your hand, you literally hold the power to the kingdom of God. This is why the devil fights it so much. Righteousness. Look, in, uh, look at this uh, in the King James. It says that, But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And now, I'm just going to, some of these things I'm just going to leave, but they're huge in their self. Go over to Hebrews 5, and this is where we will stop tonight. I think. Okay, so Hebrews 5 and verse 11. this is very so I want you to follow me what we're talking about and what's actually being talked about here concerning him we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing this this is the writer talking this is not me talking to you all right amen <laughs> but we want to not be the dull of hearing correct we want to be people that are not dull at all that don't have hardened hearts but we are open to the things we have humbled ourselves to the word of God for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles 
of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Have we all agreed, if we've heard this verse before, that we didn't want to be these guys, right? <laughs> we didn't want to be those guys there, right? We want to not be them. We want to be teachers. We want to uh, not be on the milk of God. All right, verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is an infant. Let's keep on reading. But solid food is for the mature who because of practices have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And we'll carry on over in here. But in the, in the uh, NIV, verse 13 there says this, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. That, that one will slam you between the eyes. Let me read it again in case it didn't. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. In other words, what he is equating people that are immature to is people that do not understand the gift of righteousness and the fullness of its power. The carrying on over into uh, is righteousness partners us with the Holy Spirit and power. In uh, chapter 6, it says, let us... Leave the elementary in verse 1, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. This is not on the notes, but it says, Let us, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. In other words, you, we should repent from those dead works and faith towards God, but let us move on into something. Let us move into and go on down into verse 3. Uh, talking about let us move into teaching on the word of righteousness. Verse 3 says this, and this we will do if God permits. Now part of what this is saying, and, and Tracy said this, he said there's an allowance. Part of this is if you will get to the place where you will decide, I'm going to go ahead and grow up in the word and take responsibility for being the Christian that I'm supposed to be, God will allow you and permit us to start teaching on these things. Now, part of that also, I believe, is the timing. I think the, the revelation of grace and righteousness is being opened up right now because now more than ever, we need it, and it's, it's been planned. We're seeing it now like crazy. Paul had it back in, back here, but all of a sudden it was like it was hidden for a while, and right now it's being opened up like crazy because God is permitting this. Why? Because it's time for the power of God to be released, but it would be available to anybody who would set their heart to grow in the Lord, and part of the reason why you're hearing it tonight is because you've set your heart, at least on some level, to grow in the Lord. Keeping on reading in verse 4. Now we're talking about growing in maturity in the word of righteousness. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, and in other words, what were they enlightened in? The word of righteousness. And tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. 
So those that are skilled in, in the word of righteousness grow to the place where they taste the gifts of heaven and they literally become partners with the Holy Spirit. Well, what's one of the main things the Holy Spirit's known for? Power. And the ability to produce bold witnesses for Christ. Verse 5, And they have tasted the good word of God, See, this is also talking about how good that word is that I don't have to be perfect now for the power of God to work through me. Talking about God loves me even though I had my mess. This is the goodness of God. This is why when people start to get a hold of his love and his grace, what is it really coming from? It's coming from a revelation of the gift of righteousness that they have. And they have tasted the word of God, and people were, again, we're talking about people that have been enlightened in the word of righteousness, and they have been enlightened, and they have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Righteousness partners us with the Holy Spirit and power. So just reading these verses, forget about the first half of this message, just reading this last half of these. If you were the devil, wouldn't you like to stop people from moving into this? Because in this, all of a sudden, a Christian truly becomes a Christian. All of a sudden, they start doing what a brother of Christ or sister of Christ would do. These works and greater. All of a sudden it starts to become a reality. And if I'm the devil, I want to hold that back at all cost. And now you can see why he would sit there and he would fight and fight and fight to, so that you wouldn't find out that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That you wouldn't get into that and see what righteousness affords you. That it's the link to the power of God. That it is how you reign in life through Christ. That it is the scepter of God's kingdom. That it partners you with the Holy Spirit and power. Man, he doesn't want you to find out about that. Which is exactly why we're talking about it. Because we don't like what he likes anyway. So, amen. Maturity is measured... In righteousness. Our maturity, let that sink. Our maturity level in Christ is measured in righteousness. Those are what those scriptures just said. Well, that opens us up. Again, now let me go back to that question that I asked at the beginning. How many of you have ever had a very, very detailed uh, teaching on the gift of righteousness? in the way that we're talking about. And yet, according to Paul, or this is in Hebrews, and we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but it looks like Paul to me. Um, he's saying, look, this is why you're mature, or not mature, because of your knowledge on righteousness. So can you see that there's a lot of stuff to open up? And once we start to understand righteousness and we go back to this and we start understanding that it's not by our list of things to do or not do that brings us into the blessing of God. It's the love of God that he decides to pour out. And so then all of a sudden you have somebody that says, hey, I got a problem and I, I need healing, right? 
and you say, or I need provision, or I need whatever. You know, salvation is not only uh, eternal life with God, it's not only knowing God and being connected with Him forever, but in that package is healing, provision, deliverance, protection, restoration. All of those things are in that same in other words, any area that Jesus can save you in, when he saved you and connected you with God, he saved you in there. Why? Because he connected you through the gift of righteousness to all the power of God, which is the saving force. There's some other scriptures we'll talk about that shows how it's connected to eternal life and to your salvation in whatever area it is. But when somebody says that, what we've always wanted to do at the church is say, well, why are you in this problem? Well, let's help you get you out of this problem. So you've been doing this, you've been doing that, you've been doing this. And so what we've been doing them is telling them how unrighteous they are. And then all of a sudden we're expecting the power of God to manifest when we're doing exactly opposite of what his word says to do. But if we'll say, oh, you've been doing all those things? All right, I don't care about those right now. God loves you. He loves you. And if you will just accept his love right now, your problem will be solved. And then if you want to talk later on about loving him back, I'll be available all day and I'll help you see how you can love him. But right now, even more important than that is, because you, and you don't have to tell him this, but what's more important than figuring out how he needs to love God? Because he can't love God until he receives the love of God. Until he receives the love of God, we can't love those that love God. Uh, those that do not love God do not know him. They haven't received him. They don't know his goodness. They don't know the righteousness. And so they're not empowered to walk it out. So we've been trying to give them this list that they can't even uphold anyway. And the power is completely removed. In this situation, what happens is we bring part one, God loves you. He receives God's love. Now all of a sudden it empowers him. It actually causes something in his spirit that's put there by God that says it's the goodness of God that uh, leads men to repentance. It actually causes in his spirit for him to go, what do I need to do to love God? And not only now do I care about doing it, but now I want to and now I'm empowered to. It actually is a better way of turning around somebody's life by being able to bring them the love of God and the gift of righteousness and tell them, here's my ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. God's not holding your stuff against you. Everything you did to get in this situation, God is not holding that against you. He has made you right. He's reconciled you with himself. And that means that what God has, he wants you to have. And so in Jesus' name, receive provision in Jesus' name. All of a sudden, that person can then receive. And then he says, man, he loves me like that. I want to love him. And now he's actually empowered to go and do what we wanted people to do the whole time. It's the gift of righteousness. Here's the other thing, though. Can somebody truly live a full life without loving God back? No. No. They won't have fullness of joy because they're designed and created to do that. So God's going to lead to part two, but he does it all automatically through the Holy Spirit. He automatically. I don't have to tell him that. Holy Spirit's already writing that on his heart. I need to back up and learn how to trust the Holy Spirit some. 
I need to back up and let them let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. He's a much better Holy Spirit than I am. Amen. You know, that's he, he does a much better job. He's the cleaner. I'm just the catcher. I just throw the food of God out there and catch him with the goodness of God. That's all. That's my job. The gift of righteousness. There is so much more, and there's more notes, as you can see. There's like four more pages of notes and stuff. I knew we weren't getting through it. I heard the <laughs> I knew we weren't getting through all of it tonight. I wanted to. I would like to. Moving. How do we move into righteousness by faith? Righteousness connection to resurrection power. Um. Then going into the two covenants, and righteousness is your foundation, the gift of righteousness. And then going into the fact that we produce the fruit of righteousness because we are trees of righteousness planted by the Lord. There's so much, and we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg. And, and we're, you know, your job is to go and dig in yourself. My job is to give you the basis for this so that you can start to see. This is how the power of God is released. Can you see the relief that it brings in people's lives simply when you understand how to minister this instead of ministering to them a list of do this, don't do that? But let me just see hands that thought that how you got close to God was actually doing, you know, everything right. And the blessing of God. And I mean, how many, how many people's churches grew up said, this is what you need to do to get right. Right? And yet, it's exactly backwards from what the word lays out. And it didn't work. You know, at some point, you just think somebody would have said, this ain't working. And some people did. That's why they don't go to church anymore. Because we weren't preaching the gospel. Because it wasn't revealing righteousness. There was no power in it. That's, that's, and that's sad. And that's what we need to change. And y- we need to get to the place where we say, look, even if nobody else will dig into it, I'm going to mature myself in the gift of righteousness. And I'm going to become the kind of person that knows how to minister this and bring this to people because I need to see the power of God. I can tell you, just since we've been talking about this, I told these two testimonies last week, but I had two different situations where uh, I just I was walking by this, the two parts of life, and I said, Lord, one was with me personally. I just needed personal healing. I was in a service. All of a sudden, I started hurting so bad, and uh, I was immediately, the devil brought up things that I may or may not have done wrong. You know, who knows if I did or not. He's trying to bring up everything, you know. And uh, well, how did I get in this position? I went, you know what? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Devil, this is not a conversation with me and you. Get out of here in Jesus' name. This is a conversation between me and God. And God, you love me. And right now, not based off of anything I did, but based on what Jesus did, right now, Lord, I just receive your love in the form of healing. Body, be well. And over the period of about two minutes, all the pain that I had just completely dispersed. Now, came straight out of this. The two parts of life came straight out of that. It's just I had revelation of it. I had revelation on I'm righteous in the, in the eyes of God. 
another situation, somebody was hurt and, and literally came to me and asked, what should I do in area number two? And I said, I'm not, you know, what should I do? How should I love on God better? How can I be better towards God? That's a great question for a pastor to hear. Like, how can you do better for God? Hallelujah. I never hear that question. Amen. I want to jump on that. But I said, and I literally paused and said, you know, wait a minute, time out. How do I answer this question? Because everything inside of me from my past is wanting to give them a list. You know, do this, don't do that. What do I do? I said, let me seek the Lord. And the Lord showed me. And basically the answer was, all right, you asked me what you can correct. And what I want to do is take that right now and let's just push that to the side. Push it to the side. If you want to talk about it again later on, fine. But let me tell you what the priority of God's heart is right now, and that's not it. The priority of God's heart is you're sick and you need healing. So let's talk about how God wants you healed. And right there, you know, release the power of God, and, and within a little bit, they were healed. And then they came back to me and said, now how can I love on God more and better? So immediately saw the power of God released. This is what the gift of righteousness, this is how the two parts of life work. It starts to become real instead of theory. It starts to become real instead of a fairy tale. It starts to become real instead of something where we just go to church, check the box, and feel like we're doing good and we're actually doing not good. It becomes, it makes this thing real in God. Why? Because it's God's system. It's his design. That's why it works. We're just humbling ourselves to what God said and what he said to do through the gift of righteousness. Amen? You see it? You're beginning. This is the beginning. I'm telling you, it's just we're just cracking the book on it. There's a lot more to it. But once you start to see it, you see the power of God really start to move in your life. But power is not just the supernatural, spectacular. Power is also just having the right words at the right time. Like we prayed the other day for the, the lady and her son. And right in that moment, you know, the power of God is coming from the gift of righteousness, be able to say exactly what she needed to hear to help her get to the place, get in reception mode where she would receive the love of God. That, that's what it's about. It's just getting the love of God to people. This is the way to do it and move in that supernatural power. I mean, when I said what I said to her, she went, oh, my goodness, I'm about to cry. I'm like, that's okay. Cry. It's good. God loves you. He's real. And that's all it is. It's just the gift of righteousness revealing the power of the good news, the gospel. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your grace we just praise you for it and thank you for it. Lord, thank you for the gift of righteousness. Thank you, Father, for opening up this gift. Thank you, Lord, that it's coming alive, that it's not just a, it's not just a theory, it's not just a fairy tale, but, man, this stuff works. We praise you for it and we thank you for it. Thank you that you've made us righteous. Yeah, right now, if you, you just got something where it's, you, you need healing, you need saving, you need the love of God right now to manifest in your life. Just, see, here's the thing about the gift of righteousness. It doesn't necessarily have to be me. 
If you need an answer right now in your life, will you raise your hand? And you want somebody to pray over you? You need an answer. You need healing. You need restoration. Just keep your hand up. You need the salvation of God in your life. If that's you and you want somebody to pray and you want God to love on you right now, just raise your hand and keep it raised. And if you feel like you got, hey, I got the gift of righteousness running through me right now and my job is to pray for that person, go to that person right now and I'm going to lead prayer. Anybody that's got their hand up, just go pray for them. Lord, right now, whether we need healing, deliverance, restoration, protection, Lord, no matter what we need, you love us. You love us, Lord. Lord, you're not holding trespasses against these people. You're not holding their, their sins and trespasses against them at all. You love them. And right now, let's just all, every one of us, just say that. Just say, Father, I receive your forgiveness. You're not holding anything against me. And right now, I receive your love. Lord, may your love manifest right now in every person. And just know that right now, even if you don't have your hand raised, if you're just in reception mode, yeah, Lord, I need something. Just right now, you know, think about you being the dry sponge that's in need of a drop of water, and God's love <laughs> is the water. Right now, I'm ready to receive. If that's you, God loves you. He's not holding the stuff against you. And right now, not sometime in the future, right now, he's pouring out his love on you. And whether you feel it or not, things are changing in you. Father, I just ask right now that all deceptions of unrighteousness would fade away, would be melted by the love of Christ, that all things that are not of you, every piece of the curse that is illegal to be in people, right now, every piece of the curse be removed now, in Jesus' name, may the love of God reach down. Father, your love be manifested now on earth as it is in heaven. Love of God, heal. Love of God, restore. Love of God, yeah, bring up that, Father, that thing that's in their mind. There was a tragedy in their mind and they can't seem to get over it. Right now, I just ask for the healing touch of God to come now in Jesus' name. Lord, that, that tragedy, that, that, that bad, bad history, and it's just it's put the clamps on everything. It's just held up everything in their life, Lord. I just ask that healing would come right now and love would be poured out. We just release the love of God in Jesus' name. Father, I just plead the blood of Jesus over every person. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Love of God and peace of God be right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
if you're experiencing the power of God or the love of God or the peace of God, we just raise your hand real quick? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for touching. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you love your people. There's nothing required beyond this point. God may lead you to love on Him more and love on Him better, but there's nothing required for you to receive His love. Simply belief that He loves you. That's it. Lord, I just believe that you do love me. I believe in your love. There's no payment. He just wants to pour out His love. That's That's the key. That's the secret to healing and the salvation of God is just believing that He loves you. And he wants to love on you right now. The sick people said, Lord, if you'll heal me. And Jesus said, I will. I will. That's the heart of God. I will. Father, thank you. I just ask that you would complete that healing right now. In whatever form it is, be it mental, physical, emotional healing, Lord. I just ask for wisdom to come and the life of God to come in every way. Thank you, Father, for you spending time and power with each person. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Y'all have a great, great night. Have a good one.